0: Welcome to Dreamful Podcast, bedtime stories for slumber. A lot of work goes into the making of this show, and if you find value in it and would like to help support us, please visit patreon.com/dreamfulpodcast. As little as $1 a month will give you access to bonus episodes, and patrons who pledge on the higher tiers get more content such as stickers, digital goodies, and behind-the-scenes extras. Another way you can support our podcast is by simply telling a friend or family member about Dreamfall. It also helps others to find our podcast if you just take a quick moment to leave a rating and review. I'm so excited about this week's episode. It's a really cool story called The Snow Queen. The version I'm telling you is an adaptation just for this episode. So, we had to cut lots of great parts and characters of the story. I highly recommend that if you enjoy this episode, please read the book by Hans Christian Andersen. It's in the public domain, so I will leave a link in the show notes so that you can read the full story for free. So, snuggle up in your blankets. In a large town, there lived two little children, who had a garden somewhat larger than a flower pot. They were not brother and sister, though they cared for each other as much as if they were. Their parents were neighbors who inhabited two garrets. There was to each house a small window, and they were so close together that one needed only to step over the gutter to get from one window to the other. His name was Kay, hers was Gerda. In summer, with one jump, they could get to each other, but in winter they were obliged first to go down the long stairs, and then up the long stairs again, and outdoors there was quite a snowstorm. It is the white snow bees that are swarming, said Kay's old grandmother. Do the snow bees choose a queen, asked the little boy, for he knew that the honey bees always have one. Yes, said the grandmother, she flies where the swarm hangs in the thickest clusters. She is the largest of all, and she can never remain quietly on the earth, but goes up again into the black clouds. Many a winter's night she flies through the streets of the town and peeps in at the windows, and they then freeze in so wondrous a manner that they look like flowers. Both the children had seen this, so they knew it was true. Can the Snow Queen come in, said the little girl. Ah, only let her come in, said the little boy. Then I'd put her on the stove and she'd melt. In the evening, when little Kay was at home and half undressed, he climbed up on the chair by the window and peeped out of the little hole. A few snowflakes were falling, and one, the largest of all, remained lying on the edge of a flower pot. The flake of snow grew larger and larger, and at last it was like a young lady, dressed in the finest white gauze, made of a million little flakes like stars. She was so beautiful and delicate, but she was of ice, dazzling, sparkling ice. Her eyes gazed at him like two stars, She nodded towards the window and beckoned with her hand. The little boy was frightened and jumped down from the chair. The next day it was a sharp frost, and then the spring came, the sun shone, and the little children again sat in their pretty garden, high up on the leads at the top of the house. Kay and Gerda looked at the picture book full of beasts and birds. And it was then, the clock in the church tower was just striking five, that Kay looked to the sky. Two large snowflakes landed upon him, one on his face, and the other on his chest. Kay said, Oh, I feel such a sharp pain in my heart, and now something has gotten to my eye. The little girl put her arms around his neck to get a good look. He blinked his eyes. Now there was nothing to be seen. I think it is out now, he said, but it was not. It was a snowflake from the Snow Queen, and poor Kay had absorbed another right in his heart. It would soon become like ice. It did not hurt any longer, but there it was. Soon his face twisted into a sneer. There's nothing the matter with me, he said at once. Ah, that rose is cankered. And look, this one is crooked. These roses are very ugly. And then he gave the box a good kick with his foot and pulled both the roses up. What are you doing, cried Gerda. And as he saw her fright, he pulled up another rose, ran to the window, and hastened off from her. Afterwards, when she brought her picture book, he would tease her about it. And if his grandmother told them stories, he always interrupted her. But it was the snow he had in his eye, the ice that was sticking in his heart, which made him mock even little Gerda whose whole soul was devoted to him. It was not long after this that Kay came one day with large gloves on and his little slut at his back, and made off for the market square to play with the other boys. There, in the marketplace, the boldest of the boys tied their sleds to the carts as they passed by, and so they were pulled along and got a good ride. Just as they were in the very height of their amusement, a large sled passed by. It was painted quite white, and there was someone in it wrapped up in a rough white mantle of fur, with a rough white fur cap on their head. The sled drove round the square twice, and Kay tied on his sled as quickly as he could, and off he drove with it. On they went, quicker and quicker into the next street, and the person who drove turned round Kay and nodded to him in a friendly manner, just as if they knew each other. Every time he thought to untie his sled, the person nodded to him, and then Kay sat quiet, and so on they went till they came outside the gates of town. Then the snow began to fall so thickly that the little boy could not see an arm's length before him. But still, on he went. He let go of the string he held in his hand to get loose from the sled, but it was of no use. Still the little vehicle rushed on with the quickness of the wind. He then cried as loud as he could, But no one heard him. The snow drifted and the sled flew on. And sometimes it gave a jerk, as though they were driving over hedges and ditches. The snowflakes grew larger and larger, till at last they became large white birds. Suddenly, they flew on one side. The large sled stopped, and the person who drove rose up. It was a lady. Her cloak and cap were of snow. She was a tall and slender figure of dazzling whiteness. It was the Snow Queen. We have traveled fast, she said, but it is freezingly cold. Come under my bearskin. And she put him in the seat beside her, wrapped the fur around him, and he felt as though he were sinking in a snow wreath. Are you still cold? she asked, and then she kissed his forehead. Her kiss was colder than ice. It penetrated to his very heart, which was already almost a frozen lump. It seemed to him as if he were about to die. But a moment later, and it no longer bothered him, and he did not remark on the cold that was around him. My sled. Do not forget my sled. It was the first thing he thought of. It was there, tied to one of the white birds who flew along with it on his back. The Snow Queen kissed Kay once more, and then he forgot little Gerda, grandmother, and all whom he had left at his home. Kay looked at her. She was very beautiful, a more clever or a more lovely countenance he could not fancy to himself, and she no longer appeared of ice as before when she sat outside the window and beckoned to him. In his eyes, she was perfect. He did not fear her at all, and told her that he could calculate in his head and with fractions even that he knew the number of square miles there were in the different countries, and how many inhabitants they contained. And she smiled while he spoke. It then seemed to him as if what he knew was not enough, and he looked upwards in the large, huge, empty space above him, and on she flew with him flew high over the black clouds, while the storm moaned and whistled as though it were singing some old tune. On they flew over woods and lakes, over seas, and many lands, and beneath them the chilling storm rushed fast. The wolves howled. The snow crackled. Above them flew large, screaming crows, but higher up appeared the moon quite large and bright, and it was on it that Kay gazed during the long, long winter's night, while by day he slept at the feet of the Snow Queen. What became of little Gerda when Kay did not return? Where could he be? Nobody knew. Nobody could give any answers. All the boys knew was that they had seen him tie his sled to another large and splendid one, which drove down the street and out of the town. Nobody knew where he was. Many sad tears were shed, and little Gerda wept long and bitterly. At last, she said, he must be dead, that perhaps he was taken by the river. Besides, he could never have survived those cold winter nights. At last, spring came, with its warm sunshine. Kay is dead and gone, said little Gerda. Oh, that I don't believe, said the sunshine. Kay is dead and gone, she said to the swallows. That I don't believe, they said, and at last, little Gerda did not think so any longer. One morning, when it was quite early, she kissed her old grandmother, who was still asleep, put on her red shoes, and went alone to the river. When she reached the river, she asked it, Is it true that you have taken my little friend? I will give you my red shoes if you will give him back to me. And, as it seemed to her, the blue waves nodded in a strange manner. Then she took off her red shoes, the most precious things she possessed, and threw them into the river. But they fell close to the bank, and the little waves bore them immediately to land. It was as if the stream could not take what was dearest to her, for in reality, it had not gotten little Kay but Gerda thought that she had not thrown the shoes out far enough, so she clambered into a boat, which lay among the rushes, went to the farthest end, and threw out the shoes. But the boat was not fastened, and the motion which she occasioned made it drift from the shore. She observed this and tried to get back, but before she could do so, the boat was more than a yard from land and was gliding quickly onward. Little Gerda was very frightened, and began to cry, but no one heard her except the sparrows, and they could not carry her to land, but they flew along the bank and sang as if to comfort her. The boat drifted with the stream, and Gerda sat quite still without shoes, for they were swimming behind the boat, but she could not reach them, because the boat went much faster than they did. The banks on both sides were beautiful, lovely flowers, venerable trees and slopes with sheep and cows, but not a human being was to be seen. Perhaps the river will carry me to Little Kay," she said, and then she grew less sad. She rose and looked for many hours at the beautiful green banks. Presently, she sailed by a large cherry orchard where there was a little cottage with curious red and blue windows, and before it two wooden soldiers stood sentry and presented arms when anyone went past. Gerda called to them, for she thought they were alive, but they of course did not answer. She came close to them, for the stream drifted the boat quite near the land. Gerda called still louder, and an old woman then came out of the cottage, Leaning upon a crooked stick, she had a large, broad-brimmed hat on, painted with the most splendid flowers. "'Poor little child,' said the old woman, "'how did you get upon the large, rapid river, to be driven about so in the wide world?' And then the old woman went into the water, caught hold of the boat with her crooked stick, drew it to the bank, and lifted little Gerda out. And Gerda was so glad to be on dry land again, but she was rather afraid of the strange woman. "'But come and tell me who you are and how you came to be here,' she said. And Gerda told her all, and when Gerda had told her everything, and asked her if she had not seen little Kay, the woman answered that he had not passed there, but he no doubt would come, and she told her not to be cast down, but taste her cherries and look at her flowers, which were finer than any in a picture book, each of which could tell a whole story. She then took Gerda by the hand, led her into the little cottage, and locked the door. The windows were very high up, the glass was red, blue, and green, and the sunlight shone through quite wondrously in all sorts of colors. On the table stood the most exquisite cherries, and Gerda ate as many as she could, for she had permission to do so. While she was eating, the old woman combed her hair with a golden comb, and her hair was curled and shone with a lovely golden color around that sweet little face which was so round, and so like a rose. I have often longed for such a dear little girl, said the old woman. Now you shall see how well we agreed together. And while she combed little Gerda's hair, the child forgot her friend Kay more and more. For the old woman understood magic, but she was no evil being. She only practiced witchcraft a little for her own private amusement and now she wanted very much to keep little Gerda. She now led Gerda into the flower garden. Every flower that one could think of, and every season stood there in fullest bloom. Gerda jumped for joy and played till the sun set behind the tall cherry tree. The next morning she went to play with the flowers in the warm sunshine and thus passed away a day. Gerda knew every flower, and numerous as they were, it still seemed to Gerda that one was missing. "What," said Gerda, "are there no roses here?" And she ran about amongst the flower beds, and looked and looked, but there was not one to be found. She then sat down and wept, but her hot tears fell just where a rosebush had been, and when her warm tears watered the ground. The bush shot up suddenly, as fresh and blooming as when it had been swallowed up. Gerda kissed the roses, thought of her own dear roses at home, and with them, of little Kay. Oh, how long I have stayed, said the little girl. I intended to look for Kay. Don't you know where he is, she asked of the roses? Do you think he is dead and gone? Dead he certainly is not, said the roses. We have been in the earth where all the dead are, but Kay was not there. Thank you, said little Gerda, and she went to the other flowers, looked into their cups and said, Don't you know where little Kay is? But every flower stood in the sunshine and dreamed its own fairy tale or its own story, and they all told her very many things. But not one knew anything of Kay. With the flowers being of no help, off she ran to the further end of the garden. The gate was locked, but she shook the rusted bolt till it was loosened, and the gate opened, and little Gerda ran off barefoot into the wide world. She looked round her three times, but no one followed her. At last she could run no longer. She sat down on a large stone, and when she looked about her, she saw that the summer had passed. It was late in the autumn. Dear me, how long I have stayed, said Gerda. Autumn has come. I must not rest any longer. And she got up to go further. had been traveling until her feet were tender and wearied. Ahead, she spied a reindeer and birds eating from a red berry bush. Have you seen my little friend Kay, she asked. Then the wood pigeon said, We have seen little Kay. A white hen carries his sled. He himself sat in the carriage of the snow queen who passed here. Down just over the wood, as we lay in our nest, where did the Snow Queen go to? cried little Gerda. Do you know anything about it? She has no doubt gone to Finland, for there is always snow and ice there. Ice and snow is there. There it is, glorious and beautiful, said the reindeer. One can spring about in the large shining valleys. The Snow Queen has her summer tent there, but her fixed abode is high up towards the North Pole. "'Oh, Kay, poor little Kay,' sighed Gerda. "'Do you know where Finland is?' she asked of the reindeer. "'Who should know better than I?' said the animal. "'I was born and bred there. There I leapt about, on the fields of snow.' "'Could you take me there?' asked Gerda." "'Why, of course,' said the reindeer, and he gave a bound for joy." After Gerda climbed upon his back, the reindeer flew on over bush and bramble through the great wood, over moor and heath, as fast as he could go. As night fell, Gerda's eye caught sight of glowing ribbons ebbing across the starry sky. These are my old northern lights, said the reindeer. Look how they gleam. And on now he sped, still quicker. Day and night on he went until they were in Finland. Suddenly, they stopped before a little house, which looked very miserable. The roof reached to the ground, and the door was so low that one would need to creep upon their stomachs when they went in or out. Nobody was at home except an old woman, who was dressing fish by the light of an oil lamp. And the reindeer told her the whole of Gerda's history, but first of all his own, for that seemed to him of much greater importance. Gerda was so chilled that she could not speak. After listening to the reindeer recount his story, the old woman spoke. Tis true little Kay is at the Snow Queen's and finds everything there quite to his taste, and he thinks it is the very best place in the world. But the reason of that is she has placed her ice in his eye and in his heart. These must be taken out first. Otherwise, he will never go back to mankind, and the Snow Queen will retain her power over him. But how could I ever have enough power to overcome the Snow Queen, asked Gerda. The old woman smiled at her. That power lies in your heart, because you are a sweet and innocent child. Two miles from here, the garden of the Snow Queen begins, and now the woman placed little Gerda on the reindeer's back, And off he ran with all imaginable speed. On he ran till he came to the garden of the Snow Queen. And there he set Gerda down, kissing her forehead, while large bright tears flowed from the animal's eyes. And then back he went. Gerda carried on through the garden toward the Snow Queen's palace. There then came a whole flurry of snowflakes, but they did not fall from above, and they were quite bright and shining from the aurora borealis. The flakes ran along the ground, and the nearer they came, the larger they grew. Gerda well remembered how large and strange the snowflakes appeared when she once saw them through a magnifying glass. But now, they were large and terrific in another manner. They were all alive. They were the sentry of the Snow Queen. They had the most wondrous shapes. Some looked like large, ugly porcupines. Others, like snakes knotted together with their heads sticking out. And others, again, like small, fat bears with their hair standing on end. All were of dazzling whiteness all were living snowflakes. The cold was so intense that she could see her own breath, which came like smoke out of her mouth. It grew thicker and thicker, and took the form of little angels that grew more and more when they touched the earth. All had helms on their heads, and lances and shields in their hands. They increased in numbers till she was surrounded by a whole legion. They thrust at the horrid snowflakes with their spears, so they flew into a thousand pieces. And little Gerda walked on bravely and in security. The angels patted her hands and feet, and then she felt the cold less and went on quickly towards the palace of the Snow Queen. The walls of the palace were of driving snow and the windows and doors of cutting winds. There were more than a hundred halls there, the largest was many miles in extent. All were lighted up by the powerful aurora borealis. And all were so large, so empty, so icy cold, and so resplendent. The northern lights shone with such precision that one could tell exactly when they were at their highest or lowest degree of brightness. In the middle of the empty, endless hollow snow was a frozen lake. It was cracked in a thousand pieces, but each piece was so like the other that it seemed the work of a master craftsman. In the middle of this lake sat the Snow Queen. Little Kay was quite blue, nearly black with cold, but he did not notice, for she had kissed away all feeling of cold from his body, and his heart was a lump of ice. He was dragging along some pointed flat pieces of ice, which he laid together in all possible ways, for he wanted to make something with them. Kay made all sorts of figures, the most complicated, for it was an ice puzzle for the understanding. In his eyes the figures were extraordinarily beautiful, and of the utmost importance. He found whole figures which represented a written word, But he never could manage to represent the word he wanted. That word was eternity. And the Snow Queen had said, if you can discover that figure, you shall be your own master, and I will free you. But he could not find it. I am going now to warm lands," said the Snow Queen. I must have a look down into the black volcanoes. I will just give them a coating of white for that is as it ought to be. Besides, it is good for the oranges and the grapes." And then away she flew, and Kay sat quite alone in the empty halls of ice that were miles long, and looked at the blocks of ice. There he sat quite benumbed and motionless. One would have imagined he was frozen to death. Suddenly. Little Gerda stepped through the great portal into the palace. The gate was formed of cutting winds, but Gerda repeated her evening prayer, and the winds were laid as though they slept, and the little maiden entered the vast, empty, cold halls. There she found Kay, flew to embrace him and cried out, her arms firmly holding him all the while, "'Kay, sweet little Kay, have I found you at last?' But he sat quite still, benumbed and cold. Then little Gerda shed burning tears, and they fell on his chest. They penetrated to his heart. They thawed the lumps of ice and consumed the snowflake inside. It was then Kay burst into tears. He wept so much that the snowflake rolled out of his eye, and he recognized her and shouted, "Gerda!" Sweet little Gerda, where have you been so long and where have I been? He looked around and cried, How cold it is here, how empty and cold. And he held fast by Gerda, who laughed and wept for joy. Gerda kissed his cheeks, and they bloomed with warmth. She kissed his eyes, and they shone like her own. She kissed his hands and feet, and he was again well and merry. Kay looked to the shards of ice on the floor and at once arranged them in the correct figure. I have found eternity and have become my own master, he said gleefully to Gerda. They took each other by the hand and wandered forth out of the large hall and out of the Snow Queen's palace. They talked of their old grandmother and of the roses upon the roof, and wherever they went the wind ceased raging and the sun burst forth